Testing one, two, testing one, two. Let me tell you something. Okay. So excited. Excited for what? To rip on AWS once more. Again? This is my hobby now. <laughs> That's why I brought the tuning in. Yeah. It's the only reason why our subscriber count has steadily dropped. <laughs> <laughs> but this is really my venting moment. People need to know what happened. So it goes like this. Tell me. AWS again? A- AWS. <laughs> They've struck again. Look, I don't want to be like, I don't like AWS, but they, man. <laughs> it's not your fault. If they keep doing this They've made some you. bad decisions in their lives. <laughs> Which makes sense. How many employees do they have? Like two billion. Yeah. Probably half the planet works for AWS somehow. But isn't one of the Amazon key things that you know ch- champion the customer? I think it's uh, like markets of scale is their thing. Market. I don't think anything <laughs> is about the customer. Oh, I'm sure the customer is key. Uh, they do everything for the customer. That's why I've ne- never experienced that in my life. That's what their biggest thing was for bringing down when the, the Amazon delivery time. drivers start delivering packages to my house instead of next door, I'll also believe that. <laughs> so it's so not, not just only AWS. <laughs> it's also not Amazon. Only in the cloud. Look, let me tell you something, Amazon, <laughs> Jeff Bezos. You know what? I don't think Blue Origin's going to make it. It's the worst Well, so they can't get package com- deliveries, right? Yeah. How are they going to get rocket deliveries? There's no way Blue Origin's beating SpaceX. No. E- Elon is my boy. When he opens a cloud uh, hosting platform, <laughs> I'm straight on it. Well, he's got his own internet now. CloudX. CloudX, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, look, it goes like this, all right? You, mm. you, you start out, you, you're so happy. You're learning serverless. Yep. You're doing some lambdas. You're deploying your code. You've uh, you got two functions in your file. They don't even cost you anything. No, it's practically free. And AWS reduced the cost, so it's like, Literally free. Literally free. <laughs> in charge for <laughs> two milliseconds of compute per invocation. Yep. But then, over time, you realize there's something wrong here. Every time you add another function, your deploy time goes up exponentially. Mm. It takes so flipping long to deploy <laughs> just your one line. Of <laughs> 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 it's so fucking long <laughs> to deploy one line of code. Because cloud formation is literally the slowest thing on the planet. Yeah. We, we got up to like almost, what, an, an hour and almost an hour deploy time. Really? Which is unbelievable. Yeah. We had, um, what, 100 and something lambdas at one point before I s- merged them. Uh, before the mono lambda days. That was the main reason why I merged them. Yeah. Was I wanted to get everything deployed quickly. Yeah. Of course. That's what everyone wants. Yeah. But... Uh, you know, I've, I've had even more issues since then. Is it, what I want to know is when's the week going to go past where you don't have challenges with AWS? I don't know. It's not like I've not worked with AWS before. Mm. It's just I'm, I'm encountering them more and more because I'm the front for this. <laughs> There's no one else here. <laughs> no to one like else take is dealing it. with it. Normally someone else <laughs> gets like half the frustration. Yeah. But because I'm the, the sole operator of AWS, yes. I, I get the entire like brunt of their customer support deficiencies. I can't even log in anymore and I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I've revoked your, your access, yeah. added. Oh, I actually have. Yeah, that's true. Well, the thing is, you never let the CEO get password to your cloud account. And I don't want it. No. This, this way is better. Yeah, because then I don't, like, if something breaks, it's all my fault. That's right. If <laughs> someone wants something fixed, I'm sorry, I can't it's help It's guaranteed you. it can't be your fault. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, we've been having weird issues with CloudFormation deploys from serverless. I've uh, started adding some uh, provision concurrency, mm. which I've had elsewhere, but we always did um, big deploys. We always did, um, like it was run by the CI server, didn't really matter. No one was really paying attention on services like event-driven services, not yep. APIs. Yep. So no one really cared if uh, the deploy took an hour because mm. it was like you push your code and it makes it there eventually. Yep. But now we have the the whole API there and occasionally like there's a hotfix or something and uh, with containers, I used to be able to just like, you know, change a variable mm. and then it's deployed within about 15 seconds. Mm. If that didn't work, roll it back, yep. you know. But uh, CloudFormation is making that more and more of a challenge because now not only is it slow, with the provision concurrency, one out of every like seven deploys, probably more frequent than that, just fails. Yeah, why, did you get to the bottom of that? Why is it failing? Something to do with uh, the way that serverless generates the cloud formation mm. or maybe something to do with AWS. I have no idea. Serverless framework. I looked through the um, cloud formation template that it generated and it doesn't look like there's any issues with it. Right. So it pretty much has to be AWS. Essentially what happens is it goes through the stages of uh, completing the deployment, updating the, the package. Mm. Um, and so I now I've run serverless on verbose everywhere because it's the leakiest fucking abstraction on the planet. <laughs> Like, I might as well just be manually making, co like, console changes at this point. It's so <laughs> leaky, this abstraction. If I wrote a readme for how to deploy the function and then did it manually in the console, it would be less leaky. Anyway, that's, that's me complaining. But, um, yeah, it just, uh, I, I, have, I watch, it's like, oh, yellow, yellow, yellow on the stack, or oh, API gateway, new deployment, and then oh, green on the function, yep. green on the version, and then uh, the provision concurrency one if it works, will take like like 15 minutes to deploy. Mm. Just that one piece of cloud formation yep. to create the provisioned con uh, uh, concurrency yep. uh, like version. Mm. And uh, then it will just randomly fail. And uh, this is on code that does not break anywhere. You run the same deploy again with the exact same environment variables verifiably the same thing multiple times eventually it will deploy and it'll be fine bit flaky to say the least yeah and uh yeah it's gotten pretty bad so i'm thinking uh, i'm gonna fuck off cloud formation and serverless i'm done i'm like i had a good system going with um ansible yeah. ansible and terraform yeah. and then i was like i'll use the cool hip one serverless yeah. but uh so okay here's i'm question. done with serverless why why can, does serverless have an option to output Terraform instead of CloudFormation? No. So serverless has made a design decision. Uh, and I've trust me, I've been all over the, the serverless forums on, yep. on this stuff. Yep. Uh, they made a decision that they would only output um, uh, CloudFormation. Well, In fact, one of our friends, Juggling Jason. Yep. Oh, my God. Did I get the name right? Yeah. Juggling Jumping Jason. Jason? Juggling. No, Juggling Jason. Yeah, he's a juggler. He opened a... Um, uh, not an issue yep. saying that when you deploy a single function with uh, serverless, mm. it doesn't update the actual. So you hit deploy minus F, my function name yep. in serverless. Yeah. It doesn't actually change anything that's running in, in the app. Right. It actually deploys the code, but does not update the version. Ah. So the old code is still running. So what, you have to log into the console and no, bump the version? No, or? you have to deploy the whole fucking stack. Oh, shit. So if you add provision concurrency, you no longer can update a single function. Oh, wow. Because they are so stuck on CloudFormation. Yep. They couldn't even just decide to say, up, like deploy that single piece of CloudFormation or update the CloudFormation stack just for that one function. Yep. Instead, you know, they have to 
you know, ruin your life. What's the GCP equivalent of CloudFormation? Uh, they have a they have a YAML configuration thing as well. Right. That they, but uh, I don't know. CloudFormation is uh, in JSON typically, isn't it? I think it's or either JSON and YAML are equivalent yeah, essentially. Yeah, so yeah. you can represent it either way. Okay. Yeah. So JSON is obviously a lot harder to read. So when you output it, yeah, it's the same thing. Kubernetes objects are JSON technically. Oh, okay. Or or YAML, whichever output format you want. Yep. The a- AWS response is either as well. Yep. And so, what about? Have you ever done Azure? No, no. We, they I, have the I've used kind it. Of thing or? I, I've used Azure, but not for any application coding. Only for authorization. So using um, authentication using uh, what's that thing big places use? Active Directory. Yeah, that's all. Because obviously Microsoft is going to have it better. But anyway. So, so everyone's got something like it. Yeah, because it's like a, a, like AWS did it, and it like seemed to work for most cases. But then the more you read about people actually using CloudFormation, like fuck me, it sounds like no one should ever use it. Yeah. They're they're essentially saying in the like when you deploy CloudFormation, expect everything in it to be destroyable. <laughs> so it's useless yeah. essentially. Like if I s- provision a database, not that I have, because yeah. I've I've had issues with CloudFormation my whole fucking life <laughs> essentially. Uh, if you were to deploy your database with CloudFormation, you pretty much just have to expect that at some point you're going to have to delete the stack and your database, which is such an absurd thing to have to it is, even consider. It? Yeah, that you would like your default mode of operation would be to like blow away every resource mm. to get it back to a normal state. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So with the is CloudFormation an actual service as well? Like when the CloudFormation template gets pushed up, where does it go to? like CloudFormation. There's a CloudFormation service. service, And then that's the service that takes that configuration file and starts to... They do the resolution. They keep the state management, everything. Uh So they actually have like... It's essentially, it's like Terraform remotely. Right. It'd be like they manage their own sort of Terraform-like thing. So they have their own state and reconciliation process. Right. Whereas Terraform would be like a local state or wherever you want to host it, and then you, you, your computer manages the resolution of those changes. Yeah, can changes. you tell me more about how the, how the Terraform system is different to the CloudFormation system? Because so I've, I've seen you write like Terraform, that HCL, HCL, isn't so it? So readable compared to fucking YAML, for I sure, would say, for one. I would say, well, if I had to look at serverless framework, that's definitely the easiest abstraction for me to understand. That's because you've used it a million times. Because I've used it, yeah. Yeah. But uh, Terraform is However, definitely... Terraform's readable. It's just ver- there's a lot in there to digest. If you had to... Yeah, but I'm doing a lot. Like yeah, you, a- AWS yeah. requires a lot yes. of resources. Yeah. Unlike GCP, not everything's configured sanely out of the box. Yeah. So you have to do a lot of attaching of things. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of sub-resources, a lot of modules, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, Does Terraform give you any kind of... Is there any helpers to say, okay, if you if you create this resource, you also need to create this other resource? Or do you just kind of need to know your way around AWS and go, okay, if I need this, uh, if I'm building something in API Gateway and I want to add this other part to it, maybe I need this as well. It's a hard thing to answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Terraform manages the resource itself. So if it was an API Gateway, I don't think there's any like requirement to have like, uh, what do you call it, a path? Yeah, or a resolver. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I would guess that the actual path and resolver itself would be a separate resource that yep. you would add. Yeah. But uh, the Terraform documentation is actually really good, okay. unlike the fucking CloudFormation <laughs> documentation. 
Uh, so it's very easy. And all the examples in the Terraform documentation have like an example like, oh, if you want like the secure option, use this basic configuration, copy paste. Oh, nice. And then tweak the five variables you need and make a module out of it, yep. that sort of thing. Mm. So it's very, very straightforward. The difference, if, if, you're, if you want to think about them differently, CloudFormation is like, AWS keeps track of what it is that you think you want by this YAML thing. Yep. You push it, AWS keeps that YAML, and then it it goes through like a reconciliation process. Yep. I don't believe there's any way to like auto reapply or anything. It's not like it keeps your infrastructure in a certain state. Mm. So like you have a window where you push a change and then that change is reconciled within CloudFormation and AWS, it uses a service account to like, you know, uh, add the API gateway and attach functions and everything and do your reconciliation. When there's another change, there's another like reconciliation phase that it goes through. And that can fail or succeed or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which it fails most of the time. Yep. But uh, Terraform, uh, you, 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 have, you define your resources locally. You keep your code locally. The actual definition file doesn't go anywhere. It's, it's in source control or something. Right. And then you link that to some sort of state store. Right. So a uh, CloudFormation would have its state store somewhere in the cloud that you have no idea about. It's totally mm. abstracted. You have like no clue where the state is. Mm. In Terraform, it actually writes, uh, I think, a JSON file. Right. <coughs> and then you keep like a S3 bucket of it. Yep. And then it's just a JSON file. If you really have to like tweak something, you can actually just manually edit the JSON if you really have to. Dangerous, but there's commands to help you yep. tweak it. So where does all the... All the Terraform, so the Terraform code, li the configuration lives locally. As code. Yep. As code. And then... Not as a configuration file, but like yep. essentially as code. And then you output that into an S3 bucket? You don't output the result of it. You output the state of it. So your first run of Terraform, mm. there would be no state in the bucket. Yep. At the end of your first run, it would store all the state from the last run. Right. So for example, if it says database with the name prod db yep. it would have a json entry in the json file mm -hmm. that's called prod db that points to the arn of the database that was created oh, right. and then it knows based on those AR identifiers what resources these things apply to so where wh how does it actually apply apply yeah yeah it uses your local account so whatever it oh. is that you're running as so if you're running as an unprivileged user yep. you can't really do much with terraform because yep. it literally just uses the AWS console and HTTP APIs. Oh, and is that what thing. it does? Yeah. Ah, but so Terraform isn't... Uh, anyway, yeah. So it's interacting with... Uh, the APIs. Like through the AWS. So it's doing what you would do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very easy to tell what it's doing because it is making the same calls that you have to do. Oh, that's cool. And if you tried to do one of those operations, uh, it would fail in the same way for you that it does uh, Terraform. Mm. So it's very repeatable. And then it's got the, the state, so then it keeps track of all your ARNs, where yep. all your resources are, yep. all that kind of stuff. So that, that all that stuff is sort of abstracted in a way, except it's incredibly leaky in CloudFormation. Like AWS, air quotes, manages all that for you. It's odd that, you, that the, the tool that's built by the company is not as good as the tool that's built by a third party. Well, I mean, you'd say CloudFormation is easier. Mm. Like uh, if people say, oh, you can just give it to it. Like a front-end developer, if they want to set up an SQS queue, they can just write the like 13-line resource block. Yep. But uh, that sounds like a recipe for disaster for me. Mm. The much better system would be to either have like an Ansible book or a Terraform module that's reusable that 
like someone who knows what they're doing can configure it out of the box. Yeah. Like the default state for uh, an SQS uh, queue is not to have the data encrypted at rest, which is something ah. you pretty much always have to have on. Yeah. If you just leave this to anyone, you're going to, you know, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah, you, you told me that the other day <laughs> when I was working on my university assignment. Yeah, not to mention that um, SQS queues are... So, like, if you were to define it in CloudFormation, remember how I said it's del deleted if, yeah. if you fail. Yeah. So, I've, you, I've worked where I've managed them in CloudFormation, queues and databases in CloudFormation. And essentially, you just had to get used to, like, backing stuff up and then deleting and then rebuilding and just expect downtime. There will be downtime eventually like your cloud formation will get into a state like uh, on the AWS docs. It's like, <coughs> it's like, Oh, don't let people think they can delete stuff. And then like it works mm. because cloud formation will be able to resolve it. And you have to do all these like 20 steps, yeah, which is crazy. just nuts to me. Cause like yeah. I would expect that the thing that resolves all this stuff would like have some sort of option or like a confirmation to be like, are you sure you want to do this? Or <laughs> maybe a block. Cause all oh, this is managed by cloud formation, but no, it's just, you know, if someone deletes the wrong thing and it's managed by CloudFormation, you'll have to fucking delete your whole stack yeah. unless you're a guru. What happened to looking after the user, AWS? There's no use looking after the user here. I can literally complain for a, a millennia on CloudFormation. Please don't stop. Don't let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, Terraform as well is not just an AWS thing. So, yeah. uh, But do you write the same you know Terraform? Yeah, I do know the Keycloak, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you're using that for universe, or yeah. maybe we're going oh, to. I took, I took it out. So you know how Keycloak has that shitty GUI, yep. and like everyone configures it through that? Yep. There's, a, there's a Terraform module to configure Keycloak. So oh. you can say, I want this realm with this user, and then nice. Terraform will put it into that state. And then when it runs again, it'll check the previous state, look yep. for the, role, the realm that it created, and try and uh, reconcile stuff. Configuration as code. Yeah. And Beautiful. when it's run again, it'll show you like, this is the drift. This is what's changed. You can either, before you apply it, would you like to change the values to match them? Or would you like to like change the values? Ah. So if like someone changed their username, for example. Nice. Or uh, more obvious would be like uh, the deployed version of code yep. has changed. Would you like to redeploy? So is this all through the, does Terraform have its own CLI? Is that where this information yeah. comes back yeah. to you? You okay. write Terraform. So the fastest way to get started is write a, a main.tf. You put in a provider, which is the, the like either cloud AWS, provider, GCP. Yep. It doesn't have to be a cloud provider. It can be Postgres. You can say provider Postgres uh -huh. and then create your schema. You could actually manage a Postgres schema through Terraform oh, as well. Okay. It, is, it is more of an abstraction on managing state, uh -huh. like the state of some external thing that can drift is like the way that I think about it. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's quite powerful then. It is. Can, if you can the configuration of anything that you decide to set up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can also, it's not that hard to write, uh, not that hard, it's a weird thing to say, but it's not the hardest thing on the planet. It's not like you have to download a whole bunch of packages to write your own um, uh, Terraform module. So you could actually manage people write their own Terraform modules for their yeah. own system. Yeah, like okay. these are the organizations that I want to have access and these are their keys. And yeah. then they can import the state from, for example, you can import the state from your AWS provider Terraform thing mm -hmm. into your Postgres one. And if the AWS one generates the password, you can reference it in your Postgres, uh, like Terraform playbook. Yeah, right. Infinite power. Mm. Not that difficult of a, an abstraction, I don't think, once you try it once. Yeah. And it's so easy to get started. Like the simplest thing is, I think, 15 lines. Mm. And it's like make an S3 bucket. Super easy. Serverless is probably good for smaller things. We're you like we're at the stage now beyond serverless. Maybe that's the issue. Do you think like 
You've got a fair few resources there now. Well, not I. I, d- I don't do any resources. We had resources in the beginning, yep. managed by serverless, and that was <laughs> a mistake because those things would always end up being like circular references and whatever. Just and then you you end up configuring like this thing that's meant to make AWS easier, but it's just making everything ten times harder than it should. So the should be. So what have we actually got then? Just like a couple of functions, literally a couple of three API functions. Gateways. Is that yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Per environment, like, so we, we were up to 100. And it's literally the only reason why I condensed the um, functions into one outside of the performance boost was CloudFormation taking so <laughs> fucking long to deploy. Like, I, I cannot handle an hour-long deployment. So, okay. And then also, sorry, I'm oh, so go, sorry. Go, 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 go. It can be an hour-long deployment and the final fucking function will fail. <laughs> and you know what happens? There's an hour-long rollback Roll back. process. <laughs> <laughs> I I worked somewhere where we were using CloudFormation and it got into an invalid <laughs> state and then I deployed and it was like, oh yeah, this hasn't been used in a while. Someone must have deleted the bucket. And then it was like, you just leave it. And I was like, oh, how long? And he's like, oh, like 12 hours maybe? Just come back oh, tomorrow. And then I come back tomorrow. It's still fucking resolving. <laughs> just because of one deleted resource <laughs> it can't find. Anyway, yeah. Surely they'll have to fix that. Okay, so what no, it's. I don't think it ever will be. I think CloudFormation is shit and always will be shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I I read a nice email or uh, message on the forum by the CloudFormation developers. I don't hate you. I just, <laughs> I'm sorry you had to inherit all that. So, if you've only got three functions and three API gateways, why don't you just move them into Terraform? Yeah, it will. Oh. Uh, it probably won't be Terraform. So for do do? code deployment, I think Ansible is a much better fit because mm. Ansible is something. Terraform is sort of. I still of don't like really get this. How you like you run Ansible and Terraform? Why you like don't run them together? They don't need to invoke each other. All right, so explain so the, way the, that explain I the difference yeah, to me because the way that I use it yeah. is different. So you could use Ansible for everything. Right. You could use Terraform for everything. Yeah. So I worked somewhere where we used GCP and we did our code deployments directly through Terraform. And every time you ran, it would redeploy the code. That yeah. sort of thing. It just used a, a a random number to regenerate the code. Yeah. And then the app deployment used that. But um, uh, the best that I've seen has been using Ansible for the app deployments mm-hmm. um, because Ansible is more like, it's just, invo- it's just shell scripts essentially, like Ansible. It's like a, a group of shell scripts with a lot of variables and a lot of helpers that yep. just help you get stuff into a, a consistent state. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ansible also, it, it, Ansible has no state or, or at least vanilla Ansible has no state. You know how Terraform and CloudFormation have a state that yep. they try and reconcile against? Yep. There is nothing like that. Okay. So the way Ansible works is it just it it has like if statements, right? And the in it, this is a super simplification. Um, if anyone actually uses, I dumb Ansible. it down for me. This All is right. good. There's it, it's essentially shell scripts with if statements. Yeah. Like and some of the shell scripts are like bundled shell scripts that other people have written, mm. and that's that's essentially it. Right. So when when for example, you want to if you have a Debian machine and you want to install curl, yep. Then you add the like. Uh, what does it use? apt-get or something? I don't remember. Anyway, uh, you <laughs> that's not it, I don't think. <sighs> but anyway, you just write uh, install packages dash curl. It's in YAML. Yep. And then it will, if the package is there, it will install it. Mm. Or if it's not there, it will install it, but it'll actually check before. It'll be like list packages and then check for the word curl to yep. actually be there. And then it that way you're not running the same thing twice, but there's no like state to get out of shape. Yep. So you're always sort of pushing something into the desired state no yep. matter what you do. Yep. It's like a different sort of way of executing. Mm. 
Whereas it, it's not, it, you're not trying to, you're not trying to resolve the state of your app deployment. Mm. Like you don't care what was there before. I just want this code to be there. Yeah. Like that's what Ansible is really good at. Mm. Uh, whereas Terraform is not the best at that because it, 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 like you have to wrap your brain around like another set of abstractions sort of to like manage the deployment. Anyway. So is Terraform more about uh, ensuring that y your app doesn't fall into a state that is like unrecoverable kind of thing? Like not unrecoverable, like but it it's more like it it's it it just tells like when you when you run it and there's no changes, it just says no changes and you don't actually have to apply anything. Yep. So it, it will only like even do any operations once it has done the resolution. It'll run the whole tree and it'll say, Would you like to apply? Yes or no. Mm. Whereas when I'm deploying code, I want the code there. That's why I'm hitting the deploy button. I do not want you to tell me that the code is not changed. I want the code to be there. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, so Ansible, Ansible is actually for updating your function code. That's what I would use it for. Right. That's not the only use case. Yeah. You can even manage like uh, the yeah, actual use. Terraform yeah. is only really managing the the resources. Yeah. So you you can't you can't manage your like Lambda function code through Terraform, can you? You can. Oh, you can. I wouldn't advise it. Yeah. It's a lot of work, right. essentially. Okay. It's really good if you have like the CloudFront ones where it's like you want to deploy the Lambda, but you it never changes. So there's like the CloudFront Edge one that adds headers yeah. to, to that, that's like a Lambda at Edge yeah. uh, for CloudFront. Uh -huh. That's something that makes sense as a Terraform module, which is like a package you download and you just say, this CloudFront thing should have these headers and then it deploys a Lambda. Right. You're never going to update that. Mm. That is not application code. It doesn't change every week. You don't need a deployment pipeline. Mm. And you really do want to just know, like, is the Lambda that I expect it to be there? Mm. That's it. Yep. So. And so when you're doing Ansible, can you do your configurations on the Lambda as well, like at the same time? Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, uh, the thing is, I could either write vanilla shell scripts, yep. which are using the AWS console, which is, like, the easiest thing to reproduce, mm. right? Because you just type out the command that is generated. Yeah. Uh, you could also use... <laughs> my dog's freaking out. <laughs> uh, you could also use um, uh, like a, a package. So uh, what do they call it? I can't remember. It's from Ansible Galaxy. So like a, a group of shell scripts someone else has written. Yep. Uh, and then that might have a check to say, is this configuration already there? So it could do like not a state resolution, but like actually say... If it's not changed, don't update. Uh, uh, okay. No. I've got my dog on my lap. He's barking. <laughs> <laughs> He's very upset today. He's had a big day. <laughs> yes. It's bring your dog to work day. You walked him all the way. You walked him an hour to work in the morning. Yeah, more than an hour. Because he refused to walk. He just sat down. And he just looks at me, <laughs> carrying me the rest of the way. He was having a good sleep there. But yeah, he's just woken up all of yep. a sudden. Yeah. Also, that'll be good to put Ansible in. Get rid of serverless framework. How fast are the Ansible deploys? Well, they'd be super fast yep. because uh, what do you need to... They'd be as fast as doing it in the AWS console, which is like super fast. Uh -huh. So, yeah. And then also, it's also easier because... I don't want to say... I don't know if easier is the right way mm. because it's not easier for someone who's never used Ansible or Terraform. Sure, but like me. It's simpler for me because w when I need to deploy something else or do any other change, serverless, you have to like add the thing that is like, oh, run a script after and then... Yeah, you have to configure these like tools on top of tools, mm. which is like shitty abstractions on top of shitty abstractions, yep. and each of them break independently and don't get updated. Yep. Everyone uses Ansible. So mm. anyway, so if I want to like update a CloudFront 
rule or something, yep. for example. After it's done, I just write the shell script with the AWS CLI command that I copy down the documentation to update it. Yeah. Something like that. Or even let's say let's say we wanted to keep track of like when the latest deployment of the application was. Yep. I could insert a record into Postgres from Ansible, right? With like a random UUID for oh, like nice. latest right. There's a, a million different things. Ansible is just like if there's something you can do in the command line, you can do it in Ansible. So Ansible uh, that also runs from your command line as well. Yes, then? like a little Python tool you install. Yeah. CLI tools, only CLI tools. Yeah, right. You think I'd use a GUI? What else would there be? <laughs> Most definitely not. Does that have a Vim plugin? No. It does, for sure. Ansible. Oh, then, then, yeah. then you're using it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can sort of see, like, they're abstraction. Like, Ansible and Terraform are both abstractions that are use of useful everywhere. Yeah. Like, they're f sort of foundational in a way. Whereas CloudFormation is like, if you want to use the AWS services and manage the AWS services, then use CloudFormation. Yep. So the only thing you need to then learn with Terraform is how to write the resources in a specific way for AWS compared to GCP. But the the documentation is so easy though. Is it? Yeah. I mean, AWS is complex to configure and that comes through in what you have to configure, mm. which is unavoidable because it's AWS. Yeah. Yeah. But for our next startup, GCP. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm... I don't think I would do. If this the one only fails the only or succeeds, whichever way it goes. <laughs> whichever way it goes, we're still going to GCP next. <laughs> we can't fail now. We're, we've gone too far. But anyway, the next one, uh, the, o the only reason why I think it might not have been a better choice is because the serverless offering is not as mature yet. In uh, Not G serverless as in like the framework. I hate that they chose the word serverless. Yeah, they, yeah it's, <laughs> it's good for marketing. But Great for marketing, but... Horrible for anyone trying to understand what's happening. It's hard for Google searching too because every time you type, type I remember serverless when something. you were learning the serverless framework, yeah. I hadn't heard of it, yeah. and you were like, "Oh, have you done serverless?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, of course." <laughs> 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 I love uh, functions, uh, like yeah, yeah. But then uh, you meant oh the framework, and I was like, yeah. "What the fuck? They can't have this name." <laughs> oh yes, they can. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many people get confused by that. Like, well, when the next. Um, like computing revolution comes around. We, sh we need to grab that name and, and dot com it straight away. Oh, yeah, whatever yeah, the next. Like cloudless. Highly servered. Cloudless. No, no, server. <laughs> highly <laughs> servered. Highly servered is going to be the next one. <laughs> We're going to go from server, from, uh, from uh, on-prem to yeah. cloud uh, compute instances. Yeah. We're going to go to containers. Yeah to serverless and yeah. then we're going to go back to containers yeah. and then we're going to go back to cloud compute and yes. then back to on-prem. I love it. It's a circle. It's the circle of life. Yeah, people deviate. They're like, no, no, we need to change it to this new way and then uh, they realize, oh no, it's the to same. Oh, to come back. Yeah. I've got the same problems just somewhere else. Yeah, people are like, can we have mono repos now? This is like, can we just have one place with everything? Oh yeah, that's actually a good idea. And then that's how version control always was <laughs> in the past. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind it though. Mono repos... Not bad. I've been doing some mono repo stuff. This isn't on our talking points, but um, no. I tried to upgrade us to Yarn too. Oh, did you? I did. Yeah. How'd that go? It's almost there. What was I missing? Oh, serverless is the reason we can't update. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> serverless <laughs> doesn't handle Yarn two workspaces, ah. which is such a weird thing to say, isn't it? Like my package manager, 
the choice of package manager that I use prevents the package that I can use. Isn't that interesting? That what an interesting funny. statement. What a shitty plot. No, sorry. <laughs> 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 it's not their fault. AWS's fault. But we'll use Yarn workspaces now. Yeah, which is great. But what do you get extra if you go to Yarn V2? Uh, I think Yarn V2 is like a totally, totally different It is. It looks thing, very isn't cool it? too. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. yeah. It's like not even, it's not even like a major version, but it's like a totally different thing. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah. They have a, a different, so you can use node modules as your like dependencies, but there's something called plug and play. Uh -huh. So I haven't read much about it, but I was very, I just wanted to see what it was. So you just get rid of that. And then uh, it uses like a cache or something to resolve modules. Oh, so you don't need node modules anymore? No, I don't think so. Oh, that'd yeah. be nice. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I only used, I only tried to change for about three hours. So yep. don't take anything I say as gospel. But uh, I would love to upgrade, but not until I get rid of serverless. I have so many reasons to get rid of serverless now. <laughs> they just keep adding up, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I was actually, I'm, I'm making a, uh, like a log exporter function. And I was like tempted to start, just get it done with serverless. Mm. And then uh, I thought about how much, how painful serverless was. And I've just decided I'm going to do the, Terraform Ansible thing instead from the start. You're building the log exporter for us? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's... Uh, so exporting the logs, tell me about that. CloudWatch costs money. Yeah. Costs big money. Yeah. So even just storage. So um, I'm going to move the... Uh, I'm going to set an expiry on CloudWatch logs to yep. be two weeks. Right. And then uh, I will move the long-term storage logs so things are, so re by regulation we have to keep our logs for at least a year yep. um so we don't really care about logs that are more than two weeks old pretty much ever yeah. like maybe a month is the most that's reasonable i think in yep. a system in fact most places like when you have an elastic search uh, cluster yep. you just expire the logs after a month or something and you don't care mm -hmm. But we still need to keep them for archival purposes in case some fraud has occurred with the system and yep. you know the ATO comes knocking. Yep. Uh, so we export those. There's an a there's a CloudWatch export thing that you can invoke. But you have to sort of build something custom to like export date ranges to like a Glacier tiered bucket. So then you just export everything to the cheapest cost storage on on AWS, which is S3 Glacier, yep. uh, and then you never use that bucket okay, yep. because no one ever uses that. Okay, bucket. so you're not actually reading logs, we're just storing logs. It's literally just like triggering the uh, AWS S3 export ah, function. Ah, nice, okay. It's practically ca calling an, uh, a, a CLI tool. Sure. Yeah. And then uh, when, you got, when you've got things stored in Glacier, uh, what's the process to read? Do you have to move it from the long-term storage into like a different storage bucket? Or no, it's a different pricing model. Oh, it just costs more yeah. probably to read it from there. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yep. I don't believe you have to move it up. Nice. Because you can read anything at any yep. point. It's just, yeah, it gets gotcha. super expensive. Yeah, gotcha. So like you can either have high read availability or like uh, like low storage costs. Sure. Yeah. Yep. And there's like three different tiers. So I've actually set up a lifecycle policy. Unimportant, but first 30 days it's in normal standard and then you know 40 days it's in uh, single ia yep. and then glacier after that so when will and then they actually get deleted after uh 365 days because uh -huh. i'm thinking in the future you're always a couple of steps ahead <laughs> a whole year in the future <laughs> <laughs> one year ahead yeah better put that on the product roadmap yeah well another thing is right now so i had to delete the reason why this is making me paranoid is i had to delete the um I was only storing them in uh, CloudWatch 
because it was like a stopgap until I like managed to go about getting the logs in a better format. Yep. But then when we had that issue with um, we had an issue with the deployment and I had to delete the stack to get the provisioned uh, concurrency out. Uh, Do you lose the logs? Yeah. So no, I, I copied them out right. because I have to have them. Yep. So I have logs and they're just chucked in a bucket somewhere. Yep. Um, but yeah, serverless and cloud formation are the reason why I have to do this work. Damn. Because my uh, never expire log groups were deleted in non-prod and I was like, well, fuck, I have to copy them out <laughs> in prod. So anyway, yeah. Just different challenges with the whole serverless thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. But uh, it's tra- it's like you uh, said, the it's issue is trade-offs. it's a leaky abstraction once you get past anything but the most basic use case. Mm. So like if I have to know every detail of CloudFormation, it's not worth it for me to use it. Yeah. I just like it when uh, I need to do something really quick and I just, you know, it's eight lines of code. You've got an API gateway with a Lambda doing something you need it to do. Like just upload it manually. <laughs> <laughs> Save the effort. <laughs> uh, there's so many plugins you can get. I guess it, like there's, a, there's somewhat of a benefit. But you know the issue is, the issue is that everyone writes code the same way when you do that and they write shitty code. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be mean. What do you mean they write shitty code? I mean like you don't write code in a way that's meant for like decoupled from your deployment. You, you, you're you oh, like, oh, this yeah. is a serverless project. Yeah. Not this is a uh, accounting platform. This is a, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> social media app. This is serverless. Yeah. Uh, it then becomes, the domain is like deploying serverless code. So then yeah. everything is revolving around functions These single functions yeah mm. which i don't think is healthy so anyway mm. but uh, i have a lot of opinions not all of them matter to everyone <laughs> you don't have to like my opinions <laughs> i'm very sorry if they hurt your feelings the, the opinions that james has just expressed are do, of his do own not and not <laughs> do not reflect <laughs> unruly, software. <laughs> unruly software <laughs> although they do reflect is <laughs> <laughs> a little bit yeah the only opinions of unruly software Look, just don't write code that only works in one deployment environment. That's all I'd say. It, you'll, your life will be better. Unless it's only for your university projects. Perfect for your university projects. It was, actually. Yeah. One full day of coding, job done. Yeah. I had a little bit of work done. Actually, you know what was great? Because the first time I've actually written back-end, or like, used serverless framework since learning TypeScript. Can I just say, TypeScript... Thank you very much. Incredible. That's one yeah. thing we can actually rejoice about, TypeScript. You know what's going to be good what? is when other, uh, I think other configuration, like configured tools will start using something like TypeScript yep. or there'll be like some like some wrapper that will use TypeScript to generate these other things. Yep. Like some wrapper around all the Kubernetes objects mm. that instead is managed in TypeScript with types would be incredible because I always forget like what the exact name of the like exact YAML names. object That's is. That's right, yeah. So that's the th- or like if you like misspell it yeah. slightly, like one letter's wrong. And yeah, and uh, in, in there's language servers for YAML. So, for example, I had a language server for YAML for which is like autocomplete essentially for YAML for Kubernetes, um, but it always misses stuff. Mm. Like none of them are that good because they all use JSON schema under the hood, and it's not that sophisticated. But TypeScript is such an easy way to like type out something effectively. Yeah, yeah, I think the way of the future yeah maybe i i don't know i i lots of people on twitter start talking about how uh, they don't think yaml's like the best configuration language because they're like two years deep with like writing yaml everywhere mm. to configure everything and like the alternatives are yeah 
I think TypeScript is the best alternative that I've seen. Yeah. So, as a configuration language, why do people like stick with YAML now? I suppose because it's easy to write. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very because like um, the real difference between YAML and JSON is not that uh, it's like better features in one than the other. Mm. In my opinion, it's just the readability. Like it's easier to glance at a YAML file and understand it more is, what it's doing yeah. versus JSON. There's so much like nesting and like uh, objects and yep. array syntax. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Extra quote marks. Yeah. Extra commas. It's just like visual clutter, right? Visual clutter, heaps. Which is like, it has an actual impact on your ability to the right stuff. Mm. YAML's also f like f formatted, I guess, like by default. So you can't have like horrifically formatted JSON. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like if you mess up your indentation, you deploy something different. So <laughs> it's like a different <laughs> app. <laughs> so... Very done, important. I've done that a few times. Yeah. Well, Vim takes care of it all for me, so. Good old Vim. Thanks, buddy. That's one thing we can agree on. It's TypeScript and Vim. I don't think you agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree that Vim is extremely powerful. I just haven't had the the time to learn it. It's not worth it, I don't think, for most not, people. Not for me now, no. No. I'm better off just to... I'm better off You're to a do CEO now, so there's no point in you learning them. I don't even unless do you're CEO. writing your meeting I, notes. What do I do? I just sales. I just do sales <laughs> pretty much. I just do whatever. That's what happens when you're the outgoing. Need to be done on the day in a group of developers. It's like I get to stand up in the morning. You go and you like you and Joseph give your update. Yep, working on this today, and then I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I've got to do this. A couple of other bits and pieces. I really don't know. I just wing it every day. Yeah. See how I feel. Mm. Um. But you sat in on one of the uh, sales calls today. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I you were sweating more than I've ever seen you sweat in yeah. ages. Both times. So I was in, you were there. I, I sat in on one for the first time, like, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, that's right. And uh, that was very stressful. Yep. I found that incredibly stressful because it's like, it's your baby. Like, I made this product. Yeah. <laughs> yep. My own sweat and Showing blood it and to ideas. The world. Yeah. And then, like, what user feedback. Yeah. I'm not interested in that. <laughs> This is why I appreciate, like, product managers. <laughs> At one phase, I was like, fuck product managers. They just get in the way of me interacting with customers. Yeah. But I've uh, since learned you need that boundary yeah. between, like, just something, please. Yeah. Uh, unless you're a person like Frank, you wouldn't need a product manager, I don't think. You'd be perfectly happy to just talk to the people. Uh, the thing I like about a product manager is maybe they can distill all the, like, uh, there's a lot of ideas that get thrown around with yeah. users, you know? Yeah. And you need to prioritize, distill, like... Filter like, out all the shitty ones. Like someone asked for a feature. Like you were, the, you, you were part of it. Like they're asking oh, yeah. for reporting features. Yeah. Like, and then we were having the discussion. Do they actually want a report or like what... Are they... Like we what's need the to get to actual the, problem? That's right. Yeah. yeah. We need to get to the bottom of the problem. So as a developer, sometimes... Um, Your user doesn't know what they want. They and don't their know. English language yeah. doesn't really help yeah. them. So sometimes it's because they're just asking you to build the same thing that they've used before, essentially. That's right. Yeah. Um, and maybe the challenge as well of software is like thinking about doing things in a different way than what you normally do. Yeah. So it's it's nice to have the product manager to, to take away all the different options. Just abstract that out. Abstract it out. Yeah. Yeah. You just like, don't want that to be a leaky abstraction. No. Because like even I know I know myself when I'm trying to work out 
what we should do for the app, I realise I've got internal biases of the way oh, that I just sure. do things. Yeah. And then so sometimes I just um, challenge myself and, and put a few constraints and be like, well, if we had to do it this way, what would it look like? Yeah. And you come up with new ideas of like how things should work. Well, one of the ideas we came up with was one feature a few weeks back and then I showed it to you and you're like, yeah, this doesn't really feel right. And then I like, I'm like, oh, no, it feels okay. We went a little bit further and you're like, no, no, this is wrong. So then I went back to the drawing board, which was good. Went back to the drawing board and, and rethought it and put some new constraints and really worked out what we're trying to do. And then We both have like this... Um we were talking about like our like people have an Ill- inability to communicate exactly what's in their head. Yeah. Like I have a mental model for the application. Yeah. And like your mental model for the application is different. Yeah. It's even more so because like you haven't been as part of as much of. I don't. I haven't seen all the like yeah. the, the the way you've abstracted everything as yeah, much. Yeah. The the development of the development, product yeah. and how everything's come together. Yeah. What the constraints, the invariants of the system are. So, uh, yeah, we have different. We have two different, entirely different perspectives on the product now, <laughs> and uh, we have to reconcile them. Yeah, which is very useful. Yeah, because I have like what's possible, and you have like what's wanted. <laughs> and do they overlap? Not really. <laughs> so we just give them what's possible. Yeah. <laughs> well, not what's possible. Like what I feel like doing. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's more. Right. Yeah. I shouldn't have said what's possible. Yeah, that's true. I can do whatever I want if I don't care about the bugs. Yeah. But. Uh, I think overall we've uh, we've been heading in the right direction. Yeah, I shipped a bug this week. Fr- front end bug. <laughs> I touched the front end of the co- of the code base, and uh, yeah, I broke the whole thing. Just a quick hot fix. Yeah, get it out there. Added uh, lazy loading to a popover. So, it, and then uh, it, it was very lazy. It, pop- it, it became the laziest, so lazy the that buttons it didn't don't even work. <laughs> Because like I, the way I view React is I I leave the the component like flashes on so like I know when things re-render and I saw the thing re-render like six times and I was like fuck you <laughs> you're not even open and then uh, I'll show you yeah and so then I change it and then it it broke but I didn't even know I was changing anything about that component that's the world of front end you know lucky lucky you we've come across it together because I wouldn't have found that because I would have thought it was in my because I shipped code I did blame the you immediately. You did? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't believe it would be and me. I, I blame myself too. Yeah. I thought it was me straight away. Well, I also like, forgot oh, when my last front-end deploy was. Yeah. Yeah. But then, like, I looked at the Git diff from current to last, and I was like, oh, that one. <laughs> yeah. You knew straight away at that stage. That's awkward. So the, the bottom line is um, don't use serverless. Use Terraform and use TypeScript and stay out of the front-end. Yeah, fuck CloudFormation. <laughs> yeah, so overall, AWS, if you're listening, give James a bit of love. No, don't give what? me any love. Find something. Hopefully next week you come into the podcast, you're like, you know what, AWS done something really great for me this week. That's what I want to hear. That's not possible. <laughs> Have you seen AWS? <laughs> you know what the issue is? I came from GCP. Oh, sorry. I can't do this in the outro. It's I'm going to start ranting it's again. Another, it's another Look, we publish on Wednesdays yep. lazily, which sometimes <laughs> means we publish on Saturday. You can join us on the Discord. Our publish is also like our modals. Yeah, sometimes they don't sometimes work. Lazy. <laughs> sometimes lazy. Sometimes lazy. 
Uh, feel free to rate us on iTunes. Five stars, please. There's only one five-star rating. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> so if you want to be the Pretty second sad one. considering there's two of us in the Valley. I'll one. say your name on the podcast if you rate us. Oh, good idea. Okay, love you. Bye.